I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're the NC Wine Guys. Welcome to Cork Talk. In this episode, we sit down with Lisa, Tim, Claudia, and Josh from Hidden Vineyard in Dobson, North Carolina. Hidden Vineyard has a great story to tell. After searching for a perfect vineyard site, the Hidden Vineyard team found an established vineyard for sale. They immediately fell in love, purchased the vineyard, and got to work. Wine Class with the Wine Mounts is back. This time, Jesse and Jessica talk to us about Merlot. This episode is made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council. You can learn more about the council by going to their website, ncwine.org. So sit back, pour a glass, and listen. All right, so we're here on a lovely evening at Hidden Vineyard uh, for, to welcome everyone to Cork Talk. So thanks for having us here. And why don't we go around the table and introduce yourself and tell everyone who's here. So maybe we'll start with you, Claudia. Okay, I'm Claudia. Um, the accent is not German, it's from Mexico. Um, moved here to the States about 12 years ago. Um, met Josh then, got married, and been bouncing around different spots to finally land here in North Carolina about two weeks or three weeks ago for good. So oh, happy to have you guys here finally and excited to be in Cork Talk to tell a little bit more about the story of Hidden Vineyard. Excellent. And I am Josh. I am Claudia's husband, Lisa's son, Tim's stepson. And Claudia just said we met 12 years ago, bounced around, um, bought the vineyard you know, with the family what, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And we just moved down here a couple weeks ago to try to get more hands-on and help the team. Excellent. I'm Lisa, and I am the oldest of the group. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I am very happy that we are at this point. Like Josh said, we have made it to over the four-year mark, and we did open during a pandemic, and it's going very well. Mm -hmm. I'm Tim. And uh, good to be here, and welcome to Hidden Vineyard. Uh, again, to be a part of this quality team, I'm proud of, and uh, looking forward to bigger and better things from Hidden Vineyard. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about how you got started. How did how did you get? So all of you are from Ohio, I believe, except for Claudia, I guess, but she's been in Ohio. Um, so how did you get to North Carolina, and what made you decide that you wanted to have a vineyard here? Go ahead. Someone's got to answer. <laughs> Lisa, it looks like the spotlight's on you. Okay. Um, I want Claudia to explain what made us really decide to buy a vineyard because we were drinking wine, right, Claudia? We were pretty drunk, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, let's buy a vineyard. Well, I will say, Tim and I would stop in this area because we are from northern, northeastern Ohio, and we would stop here in the Yakin Valley wine area. And we would, at that time, seriously, that was 18 years ago mm-hmm. when we really started loving this place. And there was one place we would always stop, which was Rag Lassie. And that, anyway, because of, and we always said this is a beautiful, beautiful area. We love this area. Someday this would be great to retire to. So... That's 
Yeah. After, yeah. When we retired, we decided to, you know, work with Josh and Claudia and we pulled the trigger and decided to do it. And we were, you know, we still feel young, even though we might not be young, but we didn't want to <laughs> sit in a recliner. <laughs> we we weren't going in a recliner the every chair. evening. You know, we wanted something to do. So uh, in our retirement, and we're in, we enjoy the, the industry, the wines, the culture, and, and this was a good fit for us. And uh, we sold everything that we could in Ohio and basically put our two dogs and ourselves and what we could fit into a travel trailer. And we moved here and I thought we were going to live in the travel trailer for maybe six months while we cleaned up the tobacco cabin and whatnot. Well, we, it was two years that we lived in the travel trailer in the barn, which is now our beautiful tasting room because once we got the tobacco cabin in ship, you know, shape, top shape, because it was taken over by mockingbirds, uh, someone had used it as target practice, so most of those windows aren't original windows. There was, you know, bushes and greenery and poison ivy growing on it. And Tim and Josh and Claudia, I mean, you guys power wash it. I was scared to death. Josh was on the very top oh, of yeah. the roof power washing mm -hmm. the roof and the I'm like oh no there goes my my firstborn he's gonna fall <laughs> off the roof and die but anyway we cleaned it all up and when we got to the point that somebody could go in there and stay Claudia's like have you heard of Airbnb <laughs> and we're like cha-ching so we stayed in our travel trailer in the barn and I was very transparent we were so transparent we told whoever wanted to rent the tobacco cabin, we are 50 feet away, living in a travel trailer with our two dogs. Do you think it stopped anybody? <laughs> they enjoyed no. it. So that's... That's the, why we, we stayed there until we built our house on the other side of the vineyard. So. Yes, we so, did. So let's back up a minute, though. So this was an established vineyard, though. Oh, thank you. When, yes. you, when you purchased the property. So maybe talk about that and talk a little bit more about the, the tobacco uh, cabin as well. Okay. Um, we, we have eight different varietals here uh, on a little over nine acres. We have uh, two acres of Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, one acre of Pinot Gris, one acre of Chardonnay, two acres of Cabernet Franc, one acre of Merlot, uh, about eight tenths of an acre of Petit Manzing, uh, three quarters of an acre of uh, Petit Verdot, and about three tenths of an acre of Chamberson. It's almost like you live right on property. You know exactly how much you have. Nine point one four acres, according to the GPS. Oh, very yeah. cool. It was established the year Josh graduated from high school. Can I tell him your age? I don't care. It's, <laughs> well, that's my age, I guess. When you're tough, it was established in uh, two thousand and one. The oldest vines, and then seven acres are what I call the oldest vines, and then two thousand and two was another part of that seven acres. And then in 2014 was three additional acres. So we have 20-year-old vines, 19-year-old vine, five-year-old vines, and then I also say four-year-old vine, three-year-old vines, one-year-old vines, and babies. Yeah, because we're, you know, from winter damage sure. and everything, we're always replanting every year, yeah. filling up gaps and assessing. So what was the shape of the vineyard when you first purchased the property? Um, it, it had issues. Um, um, it's um, it, it just 
you know, I, we really appreciate, you know, who's tended to the vineyard beforehand, but uh, you treat it differently as an owner, you know. Sure. We just had things that we wanted to be sure that the soil, you know, needed to be, uh, you know, tended to, you know, with fertilization and lime and, and proper pruning techniques, you know. So we kind of did some adjustments, major adjustments to pruning techniques to adjust the canopies and, you know, trunk issues, you know, were remedied as well. And there were 80 trees taller than me <laughs> throughout the vineyard. There were broken wires. So the person who was tending to it before, it, it was an excellent farmer, grower, grower and he was uh, tending to the this vines for the harvest. Hmm. He wasn't the owner, but he was tending to it for the money from the harvest. Sure. So, and the owner was lived out of state in a different state, and thank goodness he didn't love it as much as we did. <laughs> so, when you decided to, you know, when you were drinking the wine and decided to <laughs> purchase, or, you know, what you wanted to get into the industry, did you think you wanted to purchase a fully established vineyard, or did you want to start one for yourself? What was the thought process there? You yeah. about the business plan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we took a, took a look at it at the beginning and just said, you know, here's how much we had to invest. What are we looking for? Um, you know, we definitely wanted to get into the winery business um, or the wine business in general. But I think um, at the time we were living in Southern California and you know, I, I wanted some, you know, some land and some property. So when we were looking at kind of what would fit for all of us, we looked at it and said, you know, from a business aspect of it, we can afford more land if we start with a vineyard and build really sweat equity into building our own tasting room and, and starting from there. Cool. And you yeah, just happened to luck out nicely to, to get a vineyard that was already established. So Exactly. Mm -hmm. It was not even on sale when we found it. We saw, what, two, three places mm -hmm. uh, with a realtor. And then at that time, we were like not sure about those places. And then she said, oh, I know a place that, it may, that the, the owner may want to sell. So, okay, let's go to it. And you cannot tell there's a vineyard from the road, right? When we just drove down, and it was January 12th or 14th. Something we came, like that. we came and stayed at Rockford Inn. I'll never forget Friday the 13th. You mm -hmm. two flew a red eye in from California, mm -hmm. and we went to we had three or four. Yeah, we that was probably four. four right? We went to like yeah. four. She took us to four different places that are still around but they're they weren't for us we just didn't have you just know it mm -hmm. and, and we so went back we all of us all four of us went back to the main quarters and pulled it up on a laptop and looked at all of them you know the pictures and everything and then she said i'm going to send you copeland and she sent us copeland and then the next we, morning the next morning we came here and it's like you know you come up over january the hill and it just opens up and you know, even in January, it was beautiful mm -hmm. to yeah, us. Beautiful. That know, was my point. It was like super cold. Sure. We no knew it, the potential. Them, like at all, but it was just yeah. twigs sticking out of the ground. So you yeah. mentioned you mentioned that you can't see the vineyard from the road. Is that why you named it Hidden Vineyard then? Mm -hmm. The name was, I don't know how many days we spent, probably <laughs> three or four days, mm -hmm. um, Josh and I visiting. And then we went canoeing to the Jatkin River. And we wanted a name like Copeland. It was like somebody else's, you know. Like right. we wanted sure. to make it like our own. And we were brainstorming and brainstorming. And I remember that canoeing day because 
by no means any I enjoy like extreme things and stuff. So it was like me shaking, uh, please just let's just come up with a name now. <laughs> and I think Tim was the one in that canoe right? We were canoeing said, and he said, What said, about in it? Yeah, well yeah. and I said Nobody's getting out of the canoe until we come up with a name. We're not leaving until we figure this thing well, out. Well, Josh and Tim were like in the canoe, and Claudia and I were like in the front. They were the steers, and they're like, we're not getting out of this river until we all agree. All agree. And you two were, and we're like, okay. Yeah, it's yeah, a good way to make a decision. Thing. What about you? <laughs> like, no, what am I doing? Nobody knows or something. Yeah. Yet. Yes. Under duress. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And get so, out of the yeah. game, so. and, and And one more thing is, Tim did talk to many people uh, that had went to Copeland Elementary School, had children that went to Copeland Elementary School, then their grandchildren had been there, and like you said, we're right across the school, and they never knew yeah, this place was here. Yeah. So that we've lived here, I've lived here my whole life. I dropped my kids off here. I've dropped my grandkids off. Never knew this existed. So just hidden was very appropriate. Oh yeah, it's very fitting. Yeah. So maybe describe a little bit more about exactly where Hidden Vineyard is. It's not quite as hidden now as it probably was no. a year ago. People find us now. Which We're is working really hard to be found yeah. and to make a lot of noise yeah. and. Uh, I think, and I may go ahead of the interview, but I think um, all of us are thankful and blessed um, for where we are today. I think that we didn't believe we were going to be today here, although we have these gentlemen that keep us on track <laughs> with the business plan and, you know, and some. We even have a joke about this. Every time he's right, he says, see, I told you. <laughs> Every single time. You're going to have to get Josh a t-shirt. Right. Mm -hmm. So when he you know, says, you. we're going to be here in year one, year two, year three, some of our business reviews, like, see, I told you. <laughs> we were going to be there. So anyway, we're on track. I think um, for being almost one year open, um, many blessings, many people talking about us. Of course, everything starts in the vineyard. Um, we have beautiful place, good wine, um, and an excellent team that complements each other with each of our hats. So I think we're in a really good position. We feel in a very good position and, and ahead of where we thought we were gonna be. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I mean, we've talked to a number of wineries who are teams like four people and stuff and and be being able to play upon every, the other strength and then actually working together and just agreeing to, to, to the vision and the path is is what made those places successful and so that's obviously important sounds like it's very important to, to you guys mm -hmm. so you're you're located near other Wineries and vineyards in Surrey so County. You're, you're, in, you're in, yeah, go for it, Lisa. Tell oh, we, exactly we, where you are. We are uh, in Surrey County, and we like to call ourselves the little bit upper Yakin Trail uh, because I'm going to just say their names. Stony Knoll was one of the very first wineries. Actually, that's the place that we went to and talked and said, 
we want to move to this area. And part of it was how uh, friendly and nice the owners were there. Van Co he was just so welcoming and said, yeah, man, I want another one or two, you know, tasting rooms right miles from me he says because you build it they'll come you build more more is going to come and we're like yeah we like this dude we're gonna we're gonna like really pursue trying to purchase this vineyard and now we were the 19th am i right claudia you know better in the county in the county uh, the 19th in the county yeah. the 19th in the county and i think that that's a big plus that we have so much support there's so many times that you know, Tim has bought lime, but he's he's shared getting a, a, a truckload of lime with another vineyard because the price is better. You've had to, we've had to call up another vineyard because we were harvesting and we needed one more bin. And he's like, get the truck. I just called Jonah. Go over there. Yeah. I go over, they throw the bin in my back of my truck and I'm back here before the workers is done with the last bin that we had. So there's so much support in the Surrey County. And we are, our address is Dobson, so we're happy to be in this spot. Very cool. Mm -hmm. yeah, certainly the Surrey County wineries are well known to work well together. And, and folks, other folks we've talked to have said something very similar to what you've said. So that it's very important. You're not in competition. It's, it's trying to grow the whole industry together. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's really cool. If I could mm -hmm. add a couple other things about working together. You know, it's nice we have that relationship with a lot of different tasting rooms and vineyard folks and, and whatnot. But I want to put a couple of plugs in, too, for, like, our uh, uh, extension office, you know, that we have here um, with uh, Joanna Radford, you know, that there are different vine dresser workshops, you know, that just keep us on our toes, you know, with our knowledge of what's going on in the vineyard and, and whatnot. And Surrey Community College, you know, Sarah, uh, that's there, Sarah Bowman. You know, professor there. You know, she's been here, and and uh, David as well, uh, David Bauer and Sarah Bowman. I forgot to mention her last name, but uh, wonderful people, big help. Uh, in fact, we even had just a couple weeks ago, uh, Mike Hodges uh, from North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Science. You know, come and, and just chat. You know, introduce himself, and so even at the state level, you know, we're we're very grateful for that whole support that we get. You know, locally in countywide, statewide as well. Mm -hmm. He came to tell us that the uh, lantern fly had been spotted in North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Like no. Outer uh, Banks. Okay. Yeah, Outer oh. Banks outer only. Banks. And like the, On a tree the one larva stage, Oof. but yeah. And the larva stage. And an arboretum. I know. So I mm. think it's contained, but... Uh, Let's hope. Oh, gosh. That would be... Yeah, yeah that's a little he's, startling. He's really looking at the eastern uh, uh, oaks you know, that are falling throughout the state, yeah. too, and we had one out there. So it was just a nice coincidence that we had one fall, and we showed him, and, mm -hmm. you know, we are cutting it up. And so, but anyway, that's different than vineyard stuff. <laughs> it's all related, though. It's all yeah. related. So let's talk a little bit more about um, opening a tasting room in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Josh, uh, can you talk to us about how that came about and, like, what what were the challenges? Obviously, there were challenges. Yeah, I mean, it was it's hard. Twenty twenty and <laughs> yep. it's twenty twenty one. There's tons of challenges. We're all dealing with the pandemic. Well, I mean, how it came about was, I mean, it was a business plan. We said, you know, we bought it in twenty seventeen, <laughs> and we said so. this is when we're going to open the vineyard mm -hmm. or when we're going to open the, the tasting room. And we had 
you know, we had wine and barrels and aging and it was time. You know, we had the investment in it and it was let it sit for another year and wait till the pandemic opens and or open up and just try to start recouping costs, to be honest with you. So um, I think the real challenge was with you know revamping this, getting contractors in and trying to get all of this sorted out. Um, you know, especially I think we started on like the um, the wine cellar back right at the very beginning. I think it was February or March of wow. last year. And, you know, we weren't able to kind of keep up with the progress and everything else because we, we were in Ohio at the time, completely locked down. So, you know, once things started opening back up, you know, it was a little bit of a silver lining because we were able to come down here and spend weeks at a time kind of working and, and helping out with just working remote because we were still, you know, kind of a hybrid work schedule at the time. So that part of it worked out. But of course, you know, the kind of the whole time we were wondering what's going to happen when we open up, what's the traffic going to be. You know, I, we were keeping up with the rest of the Surrey County wineries. And mm -hmm. um, you know, we just rolled the dice and said, let's open up and see what happens. So talk about that opening experience and how business has been since. Uh, well, as they were going to say, what they were saying, there were four of us opening in Surrey wineries last year. Um, Osworth third one to open and then um, Golden was the last one. So we kind of had feedback from the ones opening, the couple of ones before opening before us, but it was really like, okay, let's just open and see what shows up. Uh, people was scared of, of going out, uh, of course, a mask, uh, the social distancing. Um, it didn't matter how many people we could be <clears throat> in the bar. You can just have like so many at a time. So it was you know, trying to adjust to the, the, the restrictions and, of course, the guidelines and all that. Uh, but since day one that we've opened, um, traffic has increased every single month. And it didn't matter if it was COVID. It didn't matter if it was cold. I think our first wine club pickup party, we had it in February 14. Hmm. And it was ice cold. Ice storm. And people show up. And, you know, it was like they, they wouldn't stop. So, and then as our restrictions got eased and people wanted to go outside and, you know, just enjoy the nature and all that. So that has helped. Um, I think one of the things, too, though, is we opened at the end of last year, right? So it was kind of where, where people were starting to get COVID fatigue and, and yeah, ready to just right. get out, right? So, so it wasn't like, like Thanksgiving May time. or June timeframe. We opened up in November and, you know, people were... You know, it was starting to cool down, but it wasn't too cold, so people could be outside, and and, and I think that really helped us because people just wanted to kind of get out and mm -hmm. start shedding all of that lockdown. Right. I think that's helped the wine industry in general because yeah. there's wineries typically have a good amount of outdoor space, yeah. and, and people feel safe for mm -hmm. coming than than they might say uh, other places like restaurants and that right. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And exactly. if you have good wine, they return. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And it's exactly. yeah. So you talked about the wine, so let's let's dive into that then. Okay. So let's talk, let's kind of go through the lineup and talk through the, talk through the wines. And I know some of the, the wines have names, principal mm -hmm. names. So maybe talk through some how that came about as well. So who wants to I will just say one thing is that we were going to only open with four wines, and as you know, we're not even a year old. We're up to six. But I'll let Claudia 
tell you the names of the wines. Well, each of us will present its okay. favorite wine. All right. About that that okay. sounds good. Uh, but before that, we'll make a little uh, comment. So we, we, we grow the grapes, so our wines are state-grown, mm -hmm. but um, we get help with Custom Crush. Um, companies like Jackin Valley Wine Company makes our white wines and uh, blush that we have, and Winsome Ron Cellar does the uh, red wines. Recent business decision, of course, we made the investment analysis and all that, but also we wanted to partner with top-of-the-notch wine producers sure. in the area. So, um, again, focusing on growing the grapes and monitoring the whole process of the winemaking because they're really good about involving us into the, the process. So, um, I'm going to let them speak about their wines. I'm going to speak about mine. Okay. Um, my favorite baby is Chamberson. It's a 2018 uh, harvest, and um, the first time we came to visit the area and look for uh, vineyards, I was already a lover of red wine, um, but I discovered that varietal here, and I, I've never tried it before. And every single tasting room we went uh, to visit, I tried the Chamberson, and I just fell in love with it. I think. People say either you love it or hate it. Okay, I fell in love with it. <laughs> and when we got this place and I saw we had little, a few, few rows of it, I was like, yes, this is it. Because now I'm going to have my chambers in the way I want it. Um, so I kind of own it. it again, for me, it's a, it's a beautiful grape, huge clusters, beautiful color. Um, and I kind of decided to make it my own and work with the, winer to, the, the winemaker to do it. And at the end, um, when we started, okay, let's talk about the names. So it was a lot of brainstorming and- um, Were you out in the there. canoe again? No, <laughs> no. I had that. We were drinking wine and getting okay. inspired. And, Seeing yeah. it, sensing a theme here. Yes. <laughs> so everyone was like, well, you should name it Claudia. I'm like, I that sounds so arrogant that I have my own wine. I thought it was elegant. <clears throat> Claudia Chamberson. Yeah, like that's yeah. so, no, guys, I'm going to look like so arrogant. Anyway, so my nickname, uh, or the short of Claudia in, in Spanish, is Klaus. So I said, well, let's just call it that way, and that way I don't feel like that. And again, it, uh, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful wine. It has been very well received in the tasting room. Uh, I can tell you, people that come and say already, no, I don't like Chamberson. They come predisposed. I talk them into, hey, just try it. Give it a, give it a try. And they ended up liking it. So I'm, I'm happy <laughs> for that. And uh, again, this is a 2018, and we're going to have another Klaus uh, with the next harvest, too. So happy to um, keep the, mm -hmm. the variety. So and it's won awards. Yes, so we have a bronze and we have a silver. Uh, from last year, uh, medals, and we're down to. Oh, we're just counting. It's selling well from from our <laughs> red varietals. I can tell. Aside of the sweet that we'll talk, um, is is one of the ones moving. So, do you cool. have a favorite food pairing with? Yes, um, with my Chamberson. Yes, love blue cheese. Okay. Um, you can see that. Yeah, it's just, mm. and there's. There's also a Merlot cheese that um, I, I paired it with, completely different, but, um, and then 
I think that will be my favorite picks, but I can drink a bottle without food any time <laughs> with that wine. It's a good so. port sip in wine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tuesday night. Any time of the year. Jamerson <laughs> <laughs> yeah. always pairs nicely with food because of the acid. And um, mm-hmm. it, it is a it is a very good grape to have in your vineyard, particularly mm-hmm. in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Very reliable. Mm-hmm. You know you're gonna get a, a decent crop Disease pretty much any resistant. kind of year. Oh, so oh yeah. we have four rows of sixty vines. Yes, yeah, so at three tenths of an acre. Mm-hmm. Three tenths of an acre and consistently we hit right at about two tons oh, wow. on that. That's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're big berries, big clusters. Yeah. Right. Half a pound, literally. Claudia <laughs> says no. <laughs> more. They are. But if you had more, you can, make, you can make a Klaus Rosé. You can make a Klaus exactly. Pork. Yeah, you can. <laughs> we might have to. Yeah. Well, that was one of the six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tam, no, go ahead with your Chardonnay. Ladies first. Oh, ladies first. All right. Uh, I've always been a Chardonnay lover, barrel fermented, and uh, my palate could really tell if they were brand new vines or young vines or young grapes, and I would always go to where it was, I would find out that that was an older vineyard, an older, you know, vintage too. I just really liked, and I liked... uh, I thought I really loved French oak over American oak. Well, in 2019, which was a fabulous growing year for everyone in our Yakin Valley area, and that year we were only going to keep our two two whites, and so we sold everything else. Which that the people who got all of our grapes that year, I can't wait to taste <laughs> when those red ones come out. But that year, uh, we, on one acre, we got way over two ton. And then usually two ton is about five barrels. So we had a couple one-year French oak barrels, a couple three-year, or three French, one-year French barrels. New, new. I'm getting it messed up. Well, we needed another barrel. And the only barrel that we could find, like we needed it yesterday, was a Hungarian oak. Hmm. And I think it was a blessing in disguise because my wine has, our wine has uh, more, I think, citrus and just, it pulls out some of what I think the French oak has. It made it a little bit more mild. And the reason I know that is because I tasted from every single barrel. And when I went to the Hungarian barrel, I was like, wow. I was like, blend this baby all together it's going to be delicious but it was and i still love it it's still my favorite wine and i named it lunchbox uh, in honor of my beloved dog he came from the dog pound named lunchbox he ate everything in your lunchbox and i believe that our chardonnay goes with everything in the lunchbox it's named in his honor named in his honor wonderful story all right, the, uh, the Cabernet Sauvignon that we have is kind of what I oversaw. and um, It is a Bordeaux blend of uh, Cab Sauv. There's uh, uh, like 16% Petit Verdot. Again, both of those are uh, what we grow here, so it's still an estate wine. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Cab Sauv we tasted, um, you know, out of the barrel, you know, after it was all blended together. 
I just need a little more structure, a little more backbone to me. And, and I think winemakers do regularly use Petit Verdot in that capacity. And, and uh, when Kevin did that at Windsor Run, it made a huge difference. So, you know, we're very pleased with that. Again, you know, it's barrel aged in French oak and, uh, and they're, they're one year old barrels at that time. And so it, it, it gets all those nice notes that you get in a, in a good red wine. And it is a popular red, you know, that we are selling you know, fall, you know, springtime now as well, that people are enjoying it. So uh, we call it 131 uh, because uh, our cab saw, the last row there is 130, numbered 130. And Josh and Claudia were renumbering the rows one day. And uh, they said, hey, so they came to me with a, uh, you know, like a tree cookie, you know, that they were making them out of and painting them and, and said, we, uh, you know, among the Petit Verdot, uh, we're going to have to eliminate uh, either 32 or 131, and, you know, to keep it odd and even. So let's eliminate 131. So we went, we go from 31 out here to 132. So there's not a 131 row, given the hidden incognito theme. Here we are. You know, we call it 131 because it is a blend of where 130 ends in our cab solve and where 31, you know, might be or where 131 should be among the petite Verdot. So with that blend, we call it 131. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we do have 158 rows of yeah. lines, but no 131. <clears throat> yeah. What about Pilot Path? Oh, Pilot Path is our Petite Manzing. Um, it, it's a wonderful grape to grow, too. I love it. I love the grape. I love the wine. Um, but I think that's all of us, you know, really. We uh, all agreed. Yeah, we all agreed on this. and uh, But we're... We're, we're really happy, um, you know, with this uh, stainless white, you know, that if, if people are not familiar with Petit Manzing, you know, I, I kind of explained, do you like Sauvignon Blanc? You know, do you like Vignet? You know, it's kind of in that realm. But, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful wine, and that's won awards. Our 131s won awards. Your Chardonnay's won awards already, and we, we're hanging on the bottles in there. And, uh, but it's just got nice minerality to it, nice palate feel, uh, uh, some honeysuckle notes, uh, you know, some citrus on the nose. Uh, we, we call it Pilot Path because in front of our tobacco cabin, uh, you walk out um, an educational room, which we have, where all the vines are displayed with, with, with their named and, uh, you know, whatnot. But if you walk out there and to the middle of our vineyard, and if you look to the east, you can see Pilot Path, or I'm sorry, Pilot Mountain. Uh, so we call it Pilot Path, you know, uh, because the that path is among our petite Mansing vines. It's a really cool walk in the vineyard. Yeah, thank really you. enjoyed that. What do we have left? Frank the Tank? So Frank the Tank was the last one. So I think you mentioned that we were going to start with four and we're up to six. So the fifth uh, wine that we, we decided to go with was a Cab Franc. Um, what we really said was we wanted something, you know, most of the wines that we just went through are more on the dry side and we said we're, we're you know in the south and we need a sweet wine yeah. um it was 2018 so we had hurricane florence come through and i think part of what tim was mentioning with the caps off um, and then even with uh the cap franc you know it was just a wet fall and and you know we were harvesting a bit earlier than what we would want to do and you know we were going <clears> back and forth on do we want to do something that's you know a sweet wine that year or a year later and basically we had I don't know, four and a half tons of Cab Franc, and you know, it was a little less than ideal. Um, 
you know, chemistry for, to, to the grapes. And we said, well, you know, why don't we do something and see what we can do to make it uh, more of a sweet wine. So they did uh, essentially a, a, the Cab Franc base with, um, you know, we did different types of trials. We were testing raspberry, blueberry, all, all different things. And then really what uh, Kevin and the team at Windsor Run came up with you know, was this blueberry mix with it that um, gives you, you know, it's a sweet wine, but it's, you know, it's a different taste that, than some of the other sweet wines that you, that you kind of get. It's a, almost a little bit of bitter on one end, and it, it just, you know, kind of stood out to us. So, so ultimately, I said, let's let's go with this, and let's see what happens uh, once we put it on the market. And you know, considering it was such a blend and it's such a mix and it was so different, we started looking at just a little bit different names of what we could come up with, and uh, came up with a couple other kind of plays on on Cab Franc and. You know, a couple of things that were probably uh, not going to get past the uh, <laughs> the approval process. You need to save these so no, I'm not going to go into it on here. But <laughs> but we yeah, he had some doozy. Oh, we went through a couple of them, and we we're like, yeah, they'd be great. And then we'd sit there for a minute, and be like, yeah, we're not going to get through uh, those on the labels. That's not going to happen. So you know, again, we were drinking wine, and it was probably <laughs> you know two or three, four glasses in, and and ultimately what just throughout we were talking about movies or something and um the movie old school came up and you know we back when it first came out we were watching it all the time and we said well, what about frank the tank you know it's a play on cab frank and yeah. or cab franc and um it just kind of stuck woke up the next morning said that's what we want to stick with once cool. that alcohol touched his lips yeah, once it hits your lips <laughs> it's just so good it, you just yes you gotta Turn be careful it. with it because it's still 12 and a half percent yes but and i i will add it's uh, even though it has the sweetness and the blueberry and the tang, that it's barrel aged, yeah, and yeah, I think true. that's what gives it that rich flavor Sweet. that even you know, well experienced wine drinkers mm. will come in and say, "I just love this," and I think that it's because it's got those layers and that that barrel mm. helped it. I, I no, really I don't see too many that. sweets that are barrel aged. No, not really. No, no, you don't. Yeah. So <laughs> we're, yeah, we were putting in barrels and then we were going to make a varietal, but it we just wasn't. Yeah, you know, we had already bought the barrels and then put it in there and let's just do this. Well, it makes you a little bit more unique. Yep. It, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, well, we, we have, have one six. more. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we have our. Um, I hated to see our 2019 Merlot go when we sold it. And I couldn't sell our 2020 Merlot. I think <laughs> Merlot is way underrated. I want to try to bring Merlot back, you know. Um, and uh, we had a good uh, harvest. I mean, we, we did three ton off one acre. And uh, and I asked Benny Myers at Yakima Valley Wine, what, what can we do with this? And talk with Murphy Moore, a winemaker there. And we're grateful for her and, and Kevin at Windsor Run. Uh, Murphy said, well, come here. Let's go taste some, some rosé I'm making, you know. Looking at the color, tasting it, and whatnot, and I said, I think we need to go more on the sweet side with it. So she said, How about a blush? And I said, Okay. And I said, Keep talking, you know. So she was telling me, you know, exactly how she was going to dial it in. And I thought, Okay, I'll bring it on over. And uh, it's a 2020 uh, Merlot blush uh, that she's she's tailored the yeast to have it stop at 10% uh, alcohol, and uh, and the remaining sugar in it. Uh, is all from the grape, you know, and it has a 1.3% residual sugar on it. No post or back sweetening whatsoever. And, uh, you know, we, we, we tasted the control 
uh, of it, all four of us. And they were all happy, and so was I. And I said, wow, that's good. Very little intervention in it, you know, just filtering after that, you know. And I thought, you know, I can't put my head down at night not knowing if we can make a good wine better. You know, so I, you know, you didn't agree with me, but I want to go over and do the sugar trials sure. with it. I so I did the sugar trials, <laughs> came back to the control, you know, and uh, really with that 1.3%, you know, it's an off dry, you know, real technically uh, with it. But, um, you know, so we were all happy with that control. So like I said, very little intervention with it. I mean, it's, it's pressed, you know, tank age. I mean, they, you know, bot filtered, bottled, boom. You know, and it's wonderful. I mean, it's got nice uh, strawberry on the nose, and a little cherry blossom. Uh, it's wonderful palate feel to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just finishes real well. Mm -hmm. And we call it chill. You know, we yeah. all decide what to do it, and Josh gets the credit for that name. Mm -hmm. Because when you drink it, you just want to chill. And uh, yeah, it's appropriately I, named. And I do want to add the color. Want to the color is mm -hmm. gorgeous. Yeah. It's... Uh, such a pretty color. It was only on the Merlot skins for six hours. Six hours. Oh, wow. Six hours. And I think that chill is so perfect for it because it's 10% alcohol. You can drink it all day at the pool, all day at the beach, all day on your porch, and it's just going to chill you out. It's not that super hot. Is that our top seller? <laughs> by far, number it's one seller. It's our top seller. And it's even, it's even by, and we just released that. Um, May. 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 Wow. And that's by overall, wow. even our flights. Oh, nice. Even that good. Even Frank the Tank. Even Well, and the best part about it, though, is, so <laughs> yeah. we're very happy with There's yeah. another nice part about that wine. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Pink wine. And this is good. Being here, you meet a lot of great people that mm -hmm. come to your tasting room. Sure. Um, so one of them is, is now a close friend, a wine club member, um, talked to us about what uh, she was doing aside of her full-time job, and she happens to have a uh, non-profit organization that supports uh, women's cancer research and, um, you know, expenses whenever they can help a patient going through these awful things. So we said, oh, that's awesome, you know. Um, we want to we wanna help somehow, you know. I, as I told you before, we feel very blessed with what we have received so far, so it's our way to get a little bit of what we have back to the community. Mm -hmm. And we thought that this gorgeous wine with a gorgeous color and Fantastic. being the favorite of ladies, well, it's manly too, but uh, <laughs> girls, you know, love it. Real men drink rosé. Yeah, so we said... So we decided to support with a portion of uh, the sales of each bottle to Fishing for a Cure. Um, awesome. And, mm -hmm. you know, That's we're going to be doing a lot of uh, other marketing activities with them and events and just... Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah, Very Fishing cool. for Perfect. a Cure. Well, nice. it's actually a really good spot to take a quick little break. And then when we come back, we'll go ahead and talk about kind of what you learned over the past year or so being open. Okay. Okay, great. It's time again for Wine Class with the Wine Mouths. Jesse and Jessica, welcome back. Thanks. So we talked about San Joe last time. What variety are we talking about today? Today we're going to France to discuss Merlot. Excellent. Yeah. So this originated, this grape originated in the Bordeaux region of France. And there are over 660,000 
Can I do numbers? Of course that's you can. Not, that's not math. <laughs> 660,000, did I say that right? Acres planted worldwide, mostly in France. We do have some in North Carolina. So Merlot is the child of Cab Franc and another grape, um, which makes it a half-sibling to Carmier, Malbec, and Cabernet Sauvignon. It's got some interesting lineage there. And fun fact, the name Merlot roughly translates to little blackbird, which, you know, it might possibly come from the fact that there's a little blackbird that lives in France that eats all the grapes. <laughs> so it could come from that, um, the etiology of that. Always a fascinating backstory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how does Merlot do in the vineyard? So Merlot does well. It is one of probably the most common grapes grown in North Carolina or everywhere. I feel like any wine region has Merlot. It's a grape that's grown. Historically, often it was grown as a blender grape. But that being said, here in North Carolina, you kind of see it as a blender and also, you know, as a standalone variety. It's interesting because it does well in cooler climates and warmer climates, but those two give it different profiles. So the weather is very dependent on kind of what you're going to get out of out of Merlot. Warmer regions are going to be more jammy and fruity, um, and that's probably what we see more in North Carolina. And then with most wine grapes, they grow better in areas that struggle, you know, with the elevation or hillsides. And that's kind of, we see that historically with Merlot in France. That's kind of what they were going for. So that may not apply as much in North Carolina, but it's one of the varieties that really, really likes to struggle. Make it work hard. Yeah. And Merlot ripens early in the season. So on the spectrum of red grapes for harvest, it's one of the earlier ones. So that can be good in North Carolina with hurricane season. You may actually get your Merlot all the way to ripening, whereas some of the other reds you may have to pull early if a hurricane's coming through. But Merlot is a good option for North Carolina. I think you're right. We do like to see our nice, even grapevine rows, whereas France and other places, they like them. Oh, well, you know, put a terrace in here and maybe we'll get one row. <laughs> yeah. And feet down, we'll get another row. Yeah, have fun driving a tractor in that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. So challenges, though, with Merlot. With it being a grape that is harvested early, red grape that's harvested early, we often have issues with early frost mm-hmm. because it buds out about the same time as Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, so that can be a something that's a detriment, but mm-hmm. certainly getting it in before we have a barrage of hurricanes. Yeah. Important. North Carolina definitely has two bookends that we try to yes. fit everything in, the frost and then the hurricane season. So It's certainly a theme as part of our conversations <laughs> yeah. that we've been having. So definitely. Yeah, but it does well in the winery, too. It is a grape that definitely needs some oak aging, however you want to do that, or whatever type of oak can kind of play into that. We see it used in American oak and French oak. They offer different kind of profiles as well. And then Merlot is often used in blending. So in North Carolina, a lot of, even your standalone bridles, a lot of your red wine in North Carolina probably has a little bit of Merlot in it to to soften it, to kind of round it out. Another thing, Merlot, is the wine is sensitive to light. So, you know, if you're tasting or looking at the wine in a glass, often it will tinge orange on the rim. Hmm. So be careful with your Merlot bottles. Protect them. Put them in little sweaters. <laughs> as you should with Christmas all wine. sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as you should all wine, exactly, yeah. So let's talk about food and wine pairings then. Yeah. So with the flavors from Merlot, you're going to get a lot of fruits. Um, so raspberry, black cherry, plum. Um, depending on the oak that was used, you know, you're going to get different notes from that. Maybe dill or cedar or more vanilla, chocolatey. 
Um, so you want to take that into account when you're thinking of food pairings. Personally, as a food pairing, I was going to suggest any day of the week. <laughs> um, I think it's just a good kind of daily drinker. Um, but, you know, pizza, pasta, steak, anything kind of not not too um, on the extremes of spice or anything like that. Often we talk about whites that are the porch sip-in mm-hmm. wines, but I kind of see that as Merlot too. Like maybe not in the dead of summer, but if you want a good porch wine, yeah. Merlot would be a good option or for like that. Like a wintry porch, like <laughs> around a um, uh, snowy cabin. Yeah, snowy cabin, <laughs> fire pit. So I must admit, Merlot is not my most favorite variety. But it is probably like the first variety that I could easily recognize. Because mm. typically you have this black cherry and sometimes black, what I call black tea notes. Particularly you smell it and taste it. And it's like, okay, this is, but it's just, it's not something that I yeah. typically go to. But there are some great examples of Merlot, some folks doing some fine jobs with it here in North Carolina. And, and as far as blending, as you said. And personally, I like it because, like you said, Jesse, it really adds a little bit of body or character to it. So a little bit of Merlot can go a long way with it. So yeah. I do like that. And food pairings, I think about the same. I mean, I'm trying to think, we usually do, um, I think there's a galette we do with mushrooms and stuff like that. And that goes well with Merlot. Um, I think any type of like hearty stew dish in the wintertime would be good too. But, and, and, you know, just again, any day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> well, just because it's pretty, I mean... This isn't a very nice term, but it's, it's inoffensive. Yeah. It's not going yeah. to overpower right. much. Well, any other Merlot thoughts? Just don't watch the movie sideways yeah. and get your opinion of Merlot from that. That's good advice. <laughs> yeah, give it a second chance. Yeah. All right. Well, Jesse and Jessica, this has been a great time. Thank you very much. Thank you. You can find out more information about the Wine Mouths by going to their website, winemouths.com, or on Facebook and Instagram at winemouths. That's W-I-N-E-M-O-U-T-H-S. And now, back to the show. All right, we're back with the crew here at Hidden Vineyard. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you've learned uh, or experienced over the past year that you've been open. Patience. (laughs) Persistence. Most people that come to the tasting room are happy and sometimes too happy, but that's okay. <laughs> and I, I do like the relationships that you build. Since we've been open, what I have discovered is how important it is to stay in close contact with all of the other tasting room and vineyards because I'd rather learn from their experience and we are learning from their experience rather than learn it like the hard way, you know, we can, we're not in competition. You do share, you do every single tasting room, every vineyard, every place you go, each one has their unique differences. And I'm glad that we have our unique differences from everybody else, but I'm glad all the other ones are close to us. That's what I've learned. I've learned that my eyes have opened even more, even though I worked at a tasting room for three years, just having as an owner, I appreciate the fact that we are surrounded by so many good places, wineries and tasting rooms that have great wine. Yeah, in that same vein, I mean, it, it's nice to know that we're not on an island. You know, there's all that support and everything, but, you know, asking what we've learned in the last year from opening, but the last four years, I think, I, I knew vineyards were 
labor intensive, but not that labor intensive. <laughs> uh, and, and they are, uh, but it, it's nice to, you know, have a network of other vineyard folks, uh, you know, to call. And and as you've probably heard it before, it's not easy to grow grapes in North Carolina. I think I've heard from many people, if you can grow grapes in North Carolina, you can grow anything anywhere. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, the task at hand is it's every year, it's a challenge. So, but it's worth it, you know, once we see the finished products that we have in our tasting rooms you know, over in North Carolina. I was, I think, surprised about, you know, especially like wine club members, but just repeat customers, customers that come in and how many of them have become, you know, personal friends outside of the tasting room, right? You know, I thought about it as once we start a tasting room that you're going to get, you know, traffic, they come in once and, and leave, but you know, there's more people than I could have imagined that you know, they come in, they enjoy it, they hit it off, and then you become friends and you're hanging out with them, you know, many times outside of the tasting room then, right? That, that was definitely mm-hmm. something that uh, you know, was a pleasant surprise to me. We have a very good friends that that's exactly what happened. They actually own a, uh, can I say it? Yeah. You can cut it uh, They own uh, Loaded Grape in Greensboro, and they are members of one wine club and it's ours and now we've become very good friends with them and what amazes me is they will come in and they will remember have you guys moved is josh and claudia oh, here <laughs> they like to i mean they remember it's like they want to watch us grow they want to see us succeed and they're like spreading the word and that's what i've learned is the love it's a community. More than I thought. It's a real it's community. More, it's a real community. Yeah. And we're spreading, and we're sending business their way. They're sending business our way. It's just yes. it's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. A wonderful mm-hmm. thing. That that is the true sense of community. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk a little bit about the future then. So you've been open for a year. So I mean, Josh, everyone looks at you for the business plan. So maybe you can answer this question. So what are the what? Obviously, you're probably not going to share everything yeah, that's yeah, on the yeah. plan, but What's the the growth path uh, for the new year? What do you envision um, things improving as as the years go on? Yeah, I think that you know, obviously we want the wine to continue to improve. Sure. You know, we feel we feel good about where the wine is. You know, for for just opening up, and we're going to continue to make that the the focal point of the overall business. But um, you know, to to continue to attract you know people to the area and to continue to work. You know, we're definitely looking at options for food. You know, I know we have food trucks now and, and, and people are coming in and out and you know, we have different events, but we are looking at potentially looking you know, down the road on permanent solution for you know, whether it's a kitchen or something else, but we're looking through that. We're definitely going to, well, one of the projects over the winter is going to be to revamp the outdoor space. You know, we want to make as much as possible more of the outdoor um, Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we want to make as much as possible to expand the outdoor. We've got the tasting room and we've got the um, the tobacco cabin. We want to kind of link the two together and really make um, an area that we can have more and more events. Um, you know, and people can enjoy more of the outside. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, specific events. We, we've got a few things on the docket, but we're we're kind of holding until we get them um, really dialed in and make sure that's what we really want to go towards. Now, Lisa, you had mentioned earlier about, you know, uniqueness and different wineries being different. What do you think sets Hidden Vineyard apart from the other vineyards? And not just specifically you, but anyone at the table, so. But if you want to start, Lisa, that's fine. All right. Uh, I do believe the beautiful Hidden Vineyard setting sets us apart. But we also offer, we're uh, 
Harvest Toast Post, and that means that RVs can come or travel trailers can come and boondock. And I have found out that we are one of the vineyards in the area that let, lets them park right in the middle of the vineyard. We have uh, two flat places that on either side they have vines, and so those are for Harvest Toast. And then we also have uh, an Airbnb, an original, rustic, authentic tobacco cabin. It's a studio. It's good for two adults, and we're also pet friendly. So we have had people bring their cats <laughs> and dogs. Yes. If only our cat traveled. <laughs> she does not. So I think that does set us apart, too, that we have. And we're pet friendly throughout. Even our tasting room. Even our tasting room. Very cool. People appreciate that. Especially yeah. these days. Yeah. And we have lots of, we have water bowls and yeah, treats. Yeah. Claudia stocks up on the treats, don't you? Mm -hmm, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Our board of directors is um, composed by three dogs and a cat. So if you go to our website, you'll see and meet each of them. And of course, sometimes they're around here. So mm -hmm. I think pets are part of the family. So they're always yeah. welcome. And people remember the names of our pets, I think, better than they remember our names. <laughs> <laughs> what about the um, dinners or the picnics? Yeah. Well, so, of course... Hey, let's talk um, events. Let's talk about events. So, of course, aside of offering great wine and, and beautiful views, you have to offer something else for people. We're entertainers constantly. So, um, we do standard things that other wineries do, uh, do also, like you know, mu like music. Uh, Josh was mentioning the food trucks, but you always have to go a little bit with new stuff. So um, I, my head is always spinning about what about this, what about that. Anyway, so um, we offer our our property, tasting room, uh, cabin, or the vineyard is up for uh, rental for private events. Um, we are also launching a series that uh, it's called Picnic in the Vines. So these are luxury picnics that you can book uh, for a couple, for friends, for family gatherings, and just enjoy outdoors. I believe we're the only ones in Surrey County launching that. Um, there's in other counties, but probably I will we'll do it. And um, we partner with two uh, strong businesswomen um, for these events. So trying to also going back to support the local community and the small businesses and vendors. Um, and then another thing we offer, well, we all offer wine club, uh, right? Every winery you go, they have their own features and benefits. Um, our wine club started in November of last year. Again, we were pushed by the businessman because <laughs> we thought we were not ready and he was just like, let's just go. Okay, it's so, on the plan. Right. It's on plan. Let's just go. So we decided to launch the club and make it a small one. So it's good for 100 members. As of today, we have 79. Um, I believe I know by names and their pets and stuff, the 79 of them. <laughs> and these guys, too. That's important. Um, because, you know, it, it, you build a very strong relationship. It's a family. They come and support you. And um, they have, you know, be patient with us as we come with different ideas instead of, in, in terms of the wine club parties. And 
here and there and they, they see you, right? They see you uh, growing. Like the first one was, let's give small charcuterie boxes for everyone. And the second one, well, let's upgrade to a little bit more. And till the last one that the owner was cooking pizzas for them. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's, that's something um, that we also offer uniquely. And the last thing I'm gonna say that we want to outstand ourselves from others is you when you come here you feel like home you feel welcome we are relaxed people we chill right we love uh, especially after a few glasses of the room. oh yes uh -huh. of course <laughs> uh, so we welcome of course the sommeliers but we also welcome the explorers that know nothing about wine or that love sloshies right and just come and hang out and feel like home, um, and, and as I said, well, as we said, it's, it's family-friendly, pet-friendly, um, party-friendly, whatever you you want to come and do, so it's fine. Yeah, I mean, we get hikers coming off of Pilot Mountain, and you know they'll go hike Pilot Mountain in the morning, and as soon as it opens up, they'll be parked outside just waiting to come in and have mm -hmm. a quick glass or a beer and head back out. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. We also offer beer. Huh. We have partnership with Skull Camp, which is a local brewery uh, in Surrey County in Elkin. And uh, we carry at least four of their different beers regularly. And we rotate those, which I'm thinking the Jacktoberfest is going to be coming up pretty quick. Uh, soon, yeah. Yes. October Fest. Yes. I think we have Scout visiting us. Now. Scout is oh, here. Oh, yes. See, he I heard he's he was almost, talking. He's audio I heard there was a board meeting. <laughs> he's you audio remember bombing. his name? I didn't remember Scout's name, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, oh. he's, yeah. He heard more of the We even have neighbor before. dogs, pretty girl, they will come and greet. So we even have neighbor dogs that are vineyard dogs. <laughs> One big family. One big family, that's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you can rent the top of the tobacco cabin, the inside, and there's a wraparound deck on three sides. You can rent that for a bridal party. We've had birthday parties, just, you know, private parties. And especially you book it a weekend that we have music, you got the whole, sure. you know. Oh, perfect. The whole show. Music and the food truck. Hmm? Yeah. It's definitely uh, quite the venue, and uh, it's just gorgeous here. Thank you. And, Thank and you. it does feel like home. Mm. So we're kind of winding down on the questions. So what would you want customers to know when they come visit Hidden Vineyard? Well, we want them to know that all knowledge of, of uh, customers that come here are, are welcome. You know, we're not going to belittle those that know nothing about wine. You know, we're, we want to, you know, we've had sommeliers come here and enjoy our wines and critique it a little bit, you know, and I want that feedback. So. Sure. Even, even the sharpest palates, you know, we welcome the feedback because we're always wanting to improve. Uh, but those that are, are learners, you know, novices, and, you know, this is the place for them as well. You know, that we will, we will show them, explain to them about our wines and what to expect. And, and uh, so we're, we're, we're really open to the wide variety of customers that want to come here. Well, we want them to come and have a fun time. Uh, certainly something to remember. Um, one of us, at least, is here every weekend. Um, we have two staff members that um, have our same mentality and same uh, customer service excellence. So they're going to be, as one of us, we're just um, 
um, hosting you. Um, and then just, you just said, you know, it's a gorgeous place. Um, when they come and they leave and they go back home and a week or a month or something after that, they talk about all some experience they had and, and had a good time. I just want people to come and see how good the vibe is here. And when they talk to one of us for, I think they can feel the passion. And I think that's important that sure, they see yeah. that the, that we are passionate about giving them uh, a good experience from the quality of the grapes to uh, just, you know, the community that happens here. So I'm going to say our first visit, I mean, I did feel at home here I, and, oh. and it was a, I, I love the vibe. It was relaxed. It was laid back. You guys took us out into the vineyard. We got a walk to take a walk and down Pilot's Path and the wines. I was very impressed by the wines I tasted. Um, but it, as you said, as you we've talked about, it, it starts in the vineyard, and you know, Tim seemed to have a name for every vine. You know, he's a friend. <laughs> mm -hmm. this is, this is, yes, yeah, he Ralphie, does. You know. <laughs> so he definitely babies. The, the vineyard is well taken care of. I got that sense, and, and that's important because that's what's going to keep people coming back mm -hmm. because if you're making qual doing qual having quality fruit coming out of that vineyard, you're going to have quality wine. So um, Thank you. we're Thank glad you. to be back, and we Thank will you. continue to come back, and we encourage everyone else that's listening to come visit as well. Um, so maybe tell folks how to find you physically and virtually. Okay. Sorry, I need to spoon myself. So <laughs> physically, we are in uh, 125 Hidden Vines Lane, uh, right off 268 towards Pilot Mountain. Turn right on Copeland School uh, Road, and we're right across Copeland Elementary School. Um, social media, we are in Instagram. It's um, hashtag hidden low dash vineyard. Uh, Facebook, hidden vineyard. Website, hidden vineyard dash hidden-vineyard.com, sorry. Um, Google, Yelp, we're there. Um, TikTok, are you on TikTok no. yet? So here I'm speaking, <laughs> the social media manager, and I, um, I was not a pro on this by any means when we started, so I wanted to be a pro on Instagram and Facebook, which is really hard Just because focus every on single two. day yeah. there's something new. Yeah. So I'm starting to get a little better on videos, and once I'm good at that, and I don't embarrass well, the, the those, team. Those people that are on TikTok today aren't quite old enough to drink wine. Well, well, that's a good point. They're potential wine club members. They're years. They're parents. So you got, you got a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. And then the reels and all that is like every time they come with something different. Yeah, I have, it's, um, it's hard to keep up. It's with hard to keep it? up. It's so, overwhelming. And sometimes. I don't want to embarrass them with my post. So <laughs> I want to get good at something, and then start jumping in the next one. So right now, Instagram, Facebook, Yelp, Google, um, on the website. Mm -hmm. Well, when you figure out TikTok, let us know. Okay, oh, I will. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and that's in Dobson. Uh, I think you did say that. I'm sorry. I just want to add that I really am proud of Josh and Claudia for our logo. I think our logo is one of the it's coolest. I think it's it a. Is. It is yeah. a very yeah. yeah. We get compliments on our logo every day. Yeah, well, thanks to the one that made it. Yes. Yes. 
it's it's cool, but it's 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 not like just simple. It's simple, yeah. It's mm-hmm. not it's not yeah, it's overly. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah, and it captures. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people yeah. that um, have said about our logo. Um, in the tasting, we include the Rito glass that you can take <clears> home, so it's crystal Rito glass. And some people have said, "Well, I will I will be proud of uh, setting this wine in my dinner table, right? Because it's not like yeah, um, busy." It's a clean, mm-hmm. it's local, a very so, so. Um, we're happy to have that response also from customers. We love it, and it's everywhere. You see, <laughs> As it we should put be. it everywhere: hats, <laughs> shirts, um, you name it. Very cool. So, any final words for our listeners? Thank you guys for coming. Appreciate the time that you guys put forth mm-hmm. to get our name out there and promote all of North Carolina yeah. wine industry. Well, thank you. We're happy to be part of the community. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, certainly those listening, come out, visit. Yes. Uh, and you are, you're guaranteed to have a good time and you're guaranteed to have good wine. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Cork Talk. Thanks again to everyone at Hidden Vineyard. This was a fun episode to record and you can tell that everyone at Hidden Vineyard is filled with passion. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and a review. It helps others find Cork Talk and lets us know how we can improve. Did you know we have a Patreon page? You'll get patron-only content, early access to each show, and more when you sign up. You can find more information at patreon.com slash corktalk. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NC Wine Guys. Until next time, and remember... Cork only talks when it's out of the bottle. Cheers. Cork Talk is a free run LLC production. This episode was made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council.